0: Hello and welcome to Twin Peaks: The Return, a season three podcast. I'm Andy Hazel.
1: I'm Haley Inch, and I'm currently filled with fizzy drink, and I'm really hoping I'm not just going to burp all through this episode. <laughs> okay. But anyway, stay tuned to find out. Stay tuned. Sound effects.
0: In today's episode, we're discussing Part Eleven with a very special guest: film critic, writer, and leading light in the Army Hammer Twitterati, Joe Dimitia. Jo.
1: Thank you for that welcome, <laughs> <Most> Andy. Welcome. <laughs> That's a well, oh, that's a beautiful welcome. I wish I could have that welcome. It's a <laughs> pleasure <laughs> to be here.
0: Um, can I ask, what are you making of the return so far?
1: I'm loving it
2: a lot, really. Um, you know, it's really nice to go back to this world after being there when first time around. So I watched the series when I was a high school student. I'm not really sure how I got my parents to let me do that, but anyway, I did. Um, and I'm really loving what the new series is making me think and feel and... I'm really loving um, all the David Lynch that we've got in the series. I had an argument with someone at my work about that, who finds him tremendously annoying, but I'm really finding him a comfort. And I'm loving the centrality that Laura still plays to the show. Yeah. Okay. That, that for me, has been... um, I mean, I've kind of felt it from part one that she was going to continue to be this prism through which we continue to make sense of the action but she's also providing, really, the emotional texture um, Mm. for what's happening, and I kind of feel like we're headed for something really significant in the next
1: couple of weeks. Yes. Ah! Though I have no idea what. (laughs) 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 I I don't think any of us do, but we're going to try and guess regardless.
0: Mm. So did you come to it with expectations, do you think?
1: No, actually. I don't think I had any, and I wasn't
2: even that excited about it returning. What? What? Well, I mean, I was, as the days got closer, but I went to see David Lynch in Queensland um, when he was here. Oh, a Oh, man. Of, yeah, was Everyone like, went to this thing except for us, Andy. I God. <laughs> I know, we were all there. And, you know, when he made the announcement, it was really exciting. And then I just stopped thinking about it. Yeah, I did. And, yeah, I had no expectations. I really had no idea what this was going to be. And I think I just expected it to be better. Right. In terms of craft and... I expected it to be darker because I think the world we're living in now is considerably darker, and also judging that on the you know the last few films that David Lynch has made, mm. so how that sort of fits into his career. I do get taken to task. Sometimes because I forget that Mark Frost has actually got a hand in this show, <laughs> yeah. I am also guilty of this. It's okay.
0: Yeah, so yeah. You're far I mean, from alone in that. And
2: Andy will always pull us up on that. <laughs> you know, that's good. So if I don't mention him enough tonight, you know, feel free to yeah, dub just... dub your you doing my voice into my <laughs> sentences.
0: <laughs> but I can just dub Mark Frost <laughs> himself from that interview. <laughs> <You> <laughs> did just going. Remember that I'm here.
2: Yeah. I'm more drawn to things that are, are more open-ended. Uh, one of my one of my favourite
1: thoughts or passages almost a motto for me was truth is a pathless land
2: that said i do have this kind of secret prediction for how i think this is going to end and the more i think about it i haven't said it out loud to anybody i made a joke about writing it on a piece of paper and hiding it in a toilet stall but um i can't decide whether it's just blatantly obvious or ridiculous what i think is going to happen but so i have expectations of how i feel like i would like it to resolve itself but I don't expect that that's going to come to pass
0: do you want to share it at the end of this podcast or would you rather keep it secret to yourself
2: keep it secret keep it safe I'm going to keep it secret maybe I'll let you know if I was right I'd like that. (laughs) That was the final part. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I promise I won't lie.
0: I believe you. Yeah. So, part 11 um, pretty much just takes place in three main locations and it moves fairly Mm. um, confidently between three and not really back between them, which is going to make it much easier for us to digest, I think. So we open with uh, the peaks themselves and some uh, shadows moving quickly over them, which gives us the illusion that time has passed since we were last in, in Twin Peaks, which was the previous episode, in the Roadhouse, which would make you think that we're about to enter into another day and that we may be on October 1st. But as the events play out, we're still somehow, miraculously, back on, in September the 30th, which has kind of thrown my theories of how time is moving here a bit up in the air. Anyway... Three boys are throwing balls in the trailer park.
1: Yes, playing catch, which we all know is an extremely wholesome American activity. Or is it a harbinger of doom?
0: <laughs> I don't know. But the oldest boy is Mark Frost's son, which is a nice little family touch. Gives us three generations of Frost in uh, Twin Peaks now. Lovely. And they're outside the number four, three, three, four, seven. I just write down every number. I don't know what it means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and eventually, somebody throws a ball into a road. And of course, did everyone expect?
2: Oh, absolutely! I thought that kid's going to get flat. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, death. yeah, too. The sound, yeah. particularly in that entire sequence, was so ominous. So you get this kind of like nineteen fifties mm. suburbia vibe. Even the haircuts were a little bit kind of crew cutty. Very. And I thought this is just going to end bad.
0: Yeah, and we weren't given the cameras focus on the kids. We couldn't see what was happening yeah. on either side of them. No. And the number of balls that have been thrown into the bushes <laughs> in the cinema history that have led to the grizzly discoveries gives us some cause for to think that things are not going to end well. Um, amazingly, we find Miriam alive.
1: So surprised yes. and so pleased because, of course, I'd, I said last week that I just assumed that she yeah. was going to be bluey in, exactly. in, in the caravan and yeah. I'm so pleased that she's actually made it out and it kind of mirrors from the first season the girl alongside Laura who ends up surviving Palowski, mm. yes, yeah exactly. surviving the, the the horrific events in the railway carriage yep mm.
0: yeah good yeah, call. yeah and so she's also a teacher so this may well be her students discovering her which kind of adds a whole another twin small town horror, horror mm. to it yeah then we so yeah so we presume that she's going to be in a hospital at some point soon and recovering. Um, then we get a cut to Becky and her trailer, and she's screaming and very upset. And then we get this uh, revisiting of the thre- Threnody from Hiroshima music as well in this scene, which was kind of yeah. adds uh, extreme anxiety to it. Um, what did you make of this uh, whole in- reintroduction to Becky and her part?
2: Um, it was really very heightened. And by that, she was very upset, clearly. I didn't understand
1: initially about what, but I think that there must have been some drugs involved. That was also my feeling. Yeah. I, I think keyed into what we were talking about last week about how New Peaks is... If it was a drug, it would be meth. Yes. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, she's highly paranoid yeah. and she's highly agitated. It's not a, n-
2: a... I mean, I loathe to use the word normal, but it's a very exaggerated, perhaps, response to what's going on and, you know, the reaching for the gun yes. as the kind of first re- the first reaction mm. the very mm. fact that there is a gun in the house you know I mean it's America you know <laughs> yeah, uh, mm-hmm. hey. yeah.
0: <laughs> yes it's all not a good not a good um, no. I mean
2: Yeah, they just, again, you just felt like there was a sense of imminent tragedy coming because that music is kind of pushing. It sounds almost like a vortex, which we can talk about later. Yeah, That's what it feels like. It's going to drag these characters kind of up and out of Mm. solid ground.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So she calls uh, Shelley at the roadhouse. Shelley rushes over with her car, beautiful red interior. And uh, immediately gets uh, stolen by Becky, um, and then we make this weird scene of Shelley on the bonnet of the car yeah. mm. being thrown around. Now, this was some, this was a scene that had been uh, some people had watched it be filmed. So this was one. There's quite a few scenes actually. I think almost all the scenes that people saw being filmed in that area have now been played out in this episode. Okay. So there are a few things. So this was one that was expected at some point. Um, Shelley in red shoes, red high heel shoes yes. as well. Yeah, sh- uh, shouts. There's a lot of anxiety going on. And of course, that music is still playing, and so it's it ends up becoming this uh, I don't know, manifestation of the heightened anxiety that we get with Sparkle, but now being transferred to this situation in which we later discover is to do with infidelity on the part of mm. Stephen. Yeah, what, what did you make of this development with Becky? Because we really hadn't seen that much of her before. We'd seen her on the in the in the bliss throes of Sparkle, but this is kind of the and, and her being a victim, of course, of Stephen.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting that in a way she's kind of taking it upon herself to do something about her situation. And Yeah, it's, it's not a great decision to pick up a gun and decide to go shoot up your husband and his, you know... Mm. Uh, no, you his know, paramour. His paramour. <laughs> yes, that's, a, that's a good term. But, yeah, there, there's kind of a little bit of an interesting thread through this episode of... Uh, women either deciding to do things for themselves or possibly having information and holding it close to themselves and women kind of having a bit more, I don't know, shifting power play than they generally have during this show. Like often during this show, women are just unfortunate victims of whatever happens to be going on. This episode kind of tilts everything on its side a little bit and Mm. makes you think a bit more about power relations and cycles and, and women trying to hold on to what they've got and keep it close to their chests and hopefully deploy it at just the right point where they can actually... Get something out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, leverage the situation. Right. Yeah, the cyclical thing is really interesting,
2: and we can talk about that later with Shelley because that was the thing that kept coming back to me. Yes,
0: yes, which uh, you had mentioned in earlier, pods mm. as well. Um, so uh, Becky arrives at um, apartment two hundred eight and bashes on the door. Damn you, Stephen! And then the woman next door pokes her head out um, from the love boat. The actress. What? She was the cruise planner. That's yeah. She, Julie. Yeah. Really? Oh my goodness. Yeah, same actress. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) She was on the cast list, and a lot of Americans seem to get very excited about this. I've never seen the Love Boat, but apparently this is a very key piece of casting.
1: (laughs) All I know from it is the Love (laughs) Boat. she was a main character.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Then uh, she shoots through the door. Then we get this wonderful camera shot through the corridors, Mm -hmm. really, really quickly. The way that Lynch likes to, especially did a lot of in Mulholland Drive. This kind of floating camera, as if you're like. Uh, uh, Bodiless and just an eye moving in a dream. And it winds up on uh, Gersten Haywood and Stephen hiding in a stairwell.
1: Now, unfortunately, I did not realise it was Gersten and Alicia Witt until a friend of mine yelled about it on Twitter.
0: <laughs> right, yes. Well, actually, yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks for that, Zoe. Um, I was like just very, very overexcited and appalled. And there's so many things that are just, yeah. you know, insinuated by these two being together. And.
0: It is, and it's difficult not to rush to conclusions about what Gerson's doing with Stephen because she was also wearing a key around her neck, which was kind of slightly bluish in nature and got a whole bunch of people theorising about what she's doing with the blue key, given, given the and driver connections again. Ah. Anyway, there's so many theories, so little, so little to know.
2: I really liked that shot um, when you hear her pulling up. You hear the brakes screeching. This is before she's come up to the door and started shooting it. And the way the camera just sits on the top of the staircase, looking down... I immediately started to panic and thought of Bob.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That was had like a flashback, but
1: I also thought of Hitchcock, right? Mm. Okay, Psycho. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of staircase uh, shots in this new Twin Peaks. There's definitely evoked Hitchcock a lot. Yes.
0: Mm. Yes. Yeah, you know, I just thought
2: know. it was it was well done. I liked mm. that you know that holding on that place before we actually see her enter. Mm.
0: The frame. Yes, it was a long yeah. ho- long hold yeah. on that staircase. Yeah, I love how loaded those that imagery is now. Yeah (laughs) can't just be a staircase (laughs) anymore Um, It's
1: always leading somewhere (laughs) And usually nowhere good
0: Yes, definitely Um, And back at the Fat Track Trailer Park We get uh, Shelley getting some help from Carl
1: Oh, Harry Dean saving the day again He's exactly the sort of
0: person you want to turn up When you're in that sort of situation
1: Yes, did everyone notice that he called for his ride With like a weird tin whistle Yeah, it was an Irish And it's like the greatest thing I've possibly seen In the entire show thus far It was amazing
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like an Irish penny whistle, I think Yeah um, an E-flat, um, oh. somebody has told me. Which, and we get a late, E-flats turning up later as well oh. in this episode. So then, but then, of course, um, Shelley's efforts to get attention from the police station are totally gazumped by, um, by the beautiful little uh, CB radio that Carl that has in his um, summoned combi.
2: So is that a direct line he has to the show? Yeah, I'm
0: assuming her, right? it's a bookhouse boy thing. Mm-hmm. That was my immediate thing. Because, yeah,
1: it's it, it's a direct line to Maggie. Yeah. And, yeah, Maggie was dealing with an extremely hotbed moment of crime. Well, I was rejoicing because
0: I've been going on for weeks now on mm. the pod about how there's a lot of crime and not many people seem to be doing much about it, but Maggie is working overtime to cover those Jeez. places.
1: She is. I didn't realise I had, had enough deputies
0: to send to this many. Yeah.
1: yeah. What is happening in <laughs> Twin Peaks for is it like this all the time?
0: It's, well, i assumed a lot of those people were reporting Becky speeding.
1: Yeah, or is it like a, you know, is it an accumulating thing? Uh, are things now growing apace? Yes, uh. or
0: did everyone in that apartment block report gunshots? I don't know. But by the way, Maggie's onto it, mm. which is a good thing. <laughs> and one of those addresses was 1601 Timberlake Drive, which to me was a familiar address. Somebody may well be, be listening to this and tell me what, what that place is, but I didn't have time to source it during the um, preparations for the show. Mm. And then we get the, the beautiful cut to the Double R diner and we get the family Briggs <gasps> sitting around the table. Because, of course,
1: now we know that, yes...
0: Shelly Briggs.
1: Shelly Briggs. So she and Bobby were married at some at some point in time and I imagine that they're now divorced considering what happens
0: yes, towards no, the end of the There was no wedding scene. ring.
1: No, no wedding rings on either and so, unfortunately... Mm. All those Bobby and Shelley shippers Yeah We're, 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 we're in an unfortunate place well, at the moment And you're going to have to rewrite a lot of fan fiction It goes back <laughs> yeah. to one of our
0: earlier episodes Where we were, we were theorising that Bobby had become too good To be interesting to Shelley anymore
1: This could oh, oh. Yeah, and I think, oh. I think I agree with mm. that Yeah, there's Afterton, Last
2: night's episode
0: Yes, although the person she is The you know red, the drug dealer that she's having a liaison with Could be doing some sort of magic on her He's known <laughs> for <laughs> pulling off magic He flummoxed Richard Horne in an earlier scene
2: I don't know. They're acting, the two of them, when she... The expressions on both of their faces... It was very West Side story. Like, mm. you know, we're mm-hmm. running towards each other. And it didn't... That expression looked very unnatural on Balthazar Getty's face, for me. It mm. just didn't look right. Because you're yeah. not used to him doing that. Yeah. No, not at all. But also what we've already previously seen mm. him doing in the series. And, yeah, I, I worry about where this is going. Yeah. Because... Another thing I feel is going to happen is some good people are going to have to die in this world. They don't have to, but I just feel like they're going to.
1: Narratively,
0: it yeah. makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah.
2: Someone's not going to come out of this. And at first, we I think maybe all of us thought it would be Becky, who was destined for...
0: Yeah, a Laura you know, for recycling. A Laura to, a yeah. yeah.
2: And now I wonder if it's going to be her mother. Oh.
0: Mm, I don't know. dark?
2: too dark. Too dark. <laughs> well, all the options
0: seem too dark. I wouldn't be surprised if Bobby... Um, has some sort of showdown with Red later on, yeah. Um, or there's some sort of justice because he seems to be embodying the the '50s evil character that never seems to meet a good yeah. end in with Lynch stories. So mm. I would wouldn't be surprised if something bad happens there.
1: It almost seems to be a Sheriff Truman one role yeah almost yeah of just kind of like the, the, the upstanding guy who's you know having a lot of romance problems and has to try and grapple with that alongside all of the weird supernatural business that's clearly going on yes
0: yeah although he does seem to express emotions a lot more than yes. the Trumans which are more stolid upstanding yeah. they're
1: very stoic <laughs>
0: yes exactly yeah
1: what do you make of it? Because I was
0: overjoyed finally beginning a conversation around a diner table. Mm. This is like one of my favourite things yeah. about season one and two was mm. people sitting down talking about stuff yeah. and getting to know and them. And
1: families working stuff out. I love families working stuff you out. You've had barely Twix. any of
0: that at all yeah. so far in the return. Yeah. And watching the dynamics play out as well, the way that Becky would immediately leap to the defence of, of Stephen, yeah. uh, you know, and Bobby was being a great, a top dad, mm. really. Yeah. Supportive, giving her some leverage in the situation, not just putting the kibosh on everything.
2: Yeah. Well, you could have arrested him a long time ago from all accounts. Mm.
0: And then, yeah, then we get this intimate thing with Norma watching over it. And yeah.
1: finally, she's not doing the
0: accounts. She's
2: not
1: doing accounts. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd mm. literally said in that earlier scene when Shelley left the diner, I'm like, Norma is literally still doing accounts. Is she just in this weird time wormhole <laughs> yeah. loop of just doing yeah. accounts? She's become an accountant. Mm. No, but I,
2: I did love but she didn't say a word the entire time. No, episode. and she didn't need to. No, she didn't. She communicated so much. Yeah. Mm. She's, She's got to be one of the most patient... Presences, presences
1: Mm. on that screen. For sure. And definitely within the show itself, like even her storyline in the original series, which was all about patience. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah. And I'm really hoping that she gets like a Molly Weasley type of moment towards the end where you're kind of just thinking of her as this kind of matriarch who's just supporting everyone, but then she comes out guns blazing (laughs) or wand blazing in the case of Molly Weasley (laughs) and brings down some heavy justice. I'm loving
1: this unexpected (laughs) Harry Potter detour. This is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, I know it would make me very happy, and the way they managed to get over the fact that she, Shelley was on a windshield like you know just an hour earlier. I'm so sorry. And she suddenly, Becky suddenly seems to come to this realization. There's this beautiful little bonding moment of
1: just like, oh no, I nearly death proofed my mum, and (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so, like
2: if she dropped her on the grass. Yes. <laughs>
0: oh. Um and um, Bobby's face as well, while Red and Shelley
2: oh, are c- excellent canoodling, acting. I think has it's to be great going. acting. It made me wonder why he hadn't had a proper career. How can this man be single? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what, maybe he, in maybe the show yeah, or in yeah, real like, life? Both, <laughs> I don't know, sorry, I don't, I don't know about Dana Ashbrook's um, status, but I know in the show he seems mm. to be partnerless.
1: Yeah. Mm. I kind of get the feeling he's still, he's still waiting out, you know, because mm. he, he, he seemed pretty shattered that Shelley was yeah. red. Yeah, so.
0: So, yeah. although yeah. she just seems to have made herself a bit less of a catch. I can't help but think. No. <gasps>
1: Can't be judging ladies. No. Yeah, yeah. Can
0: judge taste in men, not the women Can themselves. can
1: judge the men, and but, but, and you can judge a a bad taste in men. Yeah. Yes, that's one. So yes, what and I I unfortunately Shelley, did, she has the worst taste in men of anyone in this show.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Bobby will have your back.
1: There we after, go. Uh, the he, he, but that's yeah. the thing. He started out wrong, but then he went right. And as you've said, she clearly just got bored of him.
0: Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Maybe Red moved into town. Well, he's only been in town for a couple of weeks, he said. Yeah. So it must have been a fairly recent thing. Mm. So anyway. Um, so just after this scene, we get gunshots through the window of the double R. <laughs> this is like evil has arrived in a major way. Or so you think, and then it turns out to be a child. Or oh, is it? Is it a small child covering for his dad shooting through the window of his car? We don't really know. Um, so people duck, the lights go out, um, Bobby goes out and pulls out some pretty brilliant deputy moves, takes control of the situation.
1: Okay. I love oh. his face when he's, like, looking between the kid in oh. camo and the dad in camo yeah, yeah. and just going, oh, OK, mm. not mm. fallen far from the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Another great example of great face
0: acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and cycles.
1: And the cycles, thank mm. you.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, so much <laughs> cycling going on, I love it. Um, the car honking. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Oh. Yeah. And it's so annoying. Woman.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, Just hey, screaming? Yes. There's yeah. a
2: lot of screaming in this episode. Yeah. I actually thought the first half of this episode was about staircases and screaming. That was... <laughs> The two, the two <laughs> major themes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
0: totally. we didn't, uh, we, and of, of course this um, scene gave, us, gave rise to some fantastic jokes about how we didn't get Audrey horned but we got another horn.
1: Oh, <laughs> internet.
0: Yes, credit. Go to your room. Copyright Reddit. Uh, yeah, so just focusing on that little bit, then we get Deputy Jesse turning up, who seems to have instantly won a whole bunch of fans just through being a bit normal, um, turns up and <laughs> yeah. says, I was a big edge gas farm you know, which is an allusion to a, the later scene that we see with him talking about his car, and then I heard these shots. And so mm. he comes in and helps. Bobby goes and tries to get the woman just honking her horn, but then she starts making even more noise than the with horn was as soon as she starts mm. talking. Um, this scene... Um, OK, so let's break this down. So first of all, it's a very fire walk with me thing. We're at intersections with horns blazing. Yep. We've got these like cars jammed behind each other. Things aren't moving. It's this extremely stressful, very noisy scene. And then we get the, such, another fire walk with me sort of reference with this crazy dialogue that this woman comes out with
2: let's just focus on what she was saying so she's talking about
0: mm, should uh, i read it sh-
2: yeah read it mm. out okay loud. so mm.
0: what are yeah. you doing we're trying to get home we're already late we're late for dinner i was like oh my god what, <laughs> are, what are we getting like is this alice in wonderland so um, i have
2: screamed like that when i've been stuck in traffic so i partly understand <laughs> mm. what she's coming from it's way
0: past 6 30 why is this happening i saw a gun go shooting out the window her uncle is joining us all
2: right so this is the first mention that there's a per- and person other than her. So she's talking about we, but
0: well, my first thought was she's talking about the woman in the car, her uncle. But I, I don't think anybody else has interpreted it this way because immediately she starts talking okay. about this kid. Yeah, she hasn't seen him in a very long while. We're late. We've got miles to go. Please, we have to get home. She's sick. And then we get introduced to this, this uh, yeah. girl in the so seat next you.
2: Ha- had you noticed her? Because that was a thing. No. no either had I. No. No. And I thought, oh, I had to replay the scene just in case. Because sometimes I focus, you know, on the person whose mouth's moving. Oh, there's
0: such a face. Mm. my yeah. God, this woman yeah, is exactly. such a great actress. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's <laughs> going to have
2: an <laughs> She's astonishing. She's amazing. Yeah. So I didn't see this thing yeah. coming up basically, like, out of the leather.
0: No, mm. I think the woman yeah. turns her head. And as she does, the, the, the face comes into view. And then the hands come up by the dashboard. Yeah. And it's very strange zombie type scenario. That,
1: that, that was my initial thought. I was like, oh, okay, we've, we've gone zombies. Okay, great. This, this is, is how we're all going to be wiped out. <laughs> Everyone's just filled up on oil and corn and now we're just zombifying. And, yeah. yeah, bright green sludge mm.
2: coming out of the mouth. I, I really have no idea what this scene was about. That's the honest truth. Mm. Yeah. It was Compe-
1: like I'm, I'm utterly compelling, but I just don't know. I'm sure it'll link up to stuff later on because that tends to be how these kind of yeah. weird set Scenes have turned out right at the moment. I'm just like it's just a fabulous scene of which I have no idea what the fuck it means. Yeah.
0: So and then the, yeah, the woman like, the woman screams yep. a very short, sharp horn like as well. Yeah, this she's making mm. these
2: noises while mm. the girl is moving closer to her, and there's more spewing out the side of her mouth. Mm. I mean, it's quite horrifying.
0: But Bobby mm. Bobby's
2: mm. face was kind of like my face while it was happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is <just> this this <laughs> escalating scene of audience.
0: insanity? Mm. Um. Yeah. Well, yeah. My thoughts were like. So far we've seen a lot of, pretty much every, this is something we're going into later, the ageism in Twin Peaks I think is something we haven't really talked about yet, which I find really fascinating. Mm. And so to have a child is usually like a vehicle for innocence, like you got in the very opening scene. But now we've got this child who's really, really sick. So I was like, is this a child who's had sparkle or is somebody somehow poisoned You know this this girl, or did she eat a burger from the woman with the rash? (laughs) (laughs) I know there's a possibility I'm not ruling out. Uh,
1: I also found it interesting that obviously that intersection got backed up really really quickly. There were heaps of cars there, and the way the woman in the car was talking, she was talking about that they it's like they were travelling actually quite a long way. So is this thoroughfare through Twin Peaks, is it actually kind of like a highway? It is now. Is it, is it somewhere where Twin Peaks is literally just a place you go through to get other places? Exactly, yes.
0: So this is something we noticed um, when we were talking about the traffic out the, back, out the window of the double R and the first things of the double R, there was trucks all the time. Mm. And so it really has become one of those sorts of, those sorts of cities. Mm. Well, I guess outskirts now. And, like, you know, we're getting totally different um, townsfolk, mm. like Moby, just standing around an intersection watching a kid... <laughs> getting hit by a car <laughs> that wasn't happening in season one so then we get a totally different actually so is there anyone anything, anything before we jump to the sheriff's department Um no there's <laughs> plenty. plenty to digest, digest yeah, there
1: good.
0: In the Sheriff's Department we get a very, very quiet scene With Truman and Hawk And Hawk unfolds a very important map
1: Yes, mm. I've noted down here OG's oh, a map, all the nerds just freaked out
0: Damn right And I was right at the head of the, <laughs> of the pack for this one It
1: was beautiful though It's like,
0: please, can I get my own one to put on the wall um, So first of all, why? where was his map in season one? Was it a gift that he got given in the last 25 years? I would really, well, It really would have helped Because, you know, it's, they were relying on the Owl Cave map For a long time uh, so this map is very old It's a living thing Says Hawke mm. And he guides Truman through it Which is by virtue of us Which is great Because I love being Having this symbolism mm. Stuff broken down Because these are all symbols We've seen before The Big Pine Mountain Is a very sacred site This is the the mountain That Dr Jacoby isn't on At mm-hmm. the moment <laughs> And then there's a fire symbol under there, which, and we get this beautiful um, linking of fire and electricity now.
1: Yeah, Mm. that was great. Yeah, I loved it. And the fire is good or bad depending on the intention behind the fire, Mm. which is an interesting distinction.
0: Yes, and see, this also seems to match the coordinates that get mentioned later in the show Mm. as well, this sort of part of of the world, I think. Uh, We get shown the corn, the black corn, Mm. and then a combination of the bad fire and the black corn.
1: Yes, because corn is... You know, as, as Hawke says, it's generally a good symbol, but when it's combined with the black fire, it becomes diseased or unnatural death.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm. And the, the sudden introduction of, of black <laughs> fire is fascinating. Yeah. We've seen silhouettes of fires before mm. in um, early imagery from season two, but there's never been any mention of black fire. So I'm really f- fascinated to see how this all adds up. And then we get st- the, the pointing at the experiment slash mother symbol above the mountain. Mm. And
1: yes, you don't ever want to know about that. Really? But I've got a feeling they are going to know about it. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah. did you um, have any theories about what what this was?
1: What no, the... not, not well, just, really. Yeah, I, like I've I've always said, I'm not much of the you know work out the puzzles type of person. I just kind of sit back and wait to see what happens. Although mm. I did find it. There were obviously a lot of things that Hawke said during this were very portentous and very interesting, and I was just like, oh, okay, these these are some nice little, Mm. you know, crumbs and signals that are being laid out Mm. for us all. But I particularly like, I think the best line from this whole sequence was when the sheriff was talking about going up the mountain and the map. There's no longer a road, the road is not there. (laughs) Yes. Which I think is very...
2: And which just made me, I mean, I'm just feeling, I actually feel really terrified for the two of them.
1: I do too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. yeah,
2: I just feel like, and I'll, I'll say a bit more after when we talk about um, what happened in Buckhorn, but I just feel like things are about to converge. There's mm. going to be, in my the, mind, there's going to be a big episode that's going to take place at this location and it's going to be terrible. Yeah, World. it's
0: going to be nasty. Yeah, <laughs> they're still saying it's two days' time to, lay, to this conjunction of time and place at Jackrabbits But Jackrabbits Is like
2: been four episodes w- Wait <laughs> 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 I, I was know.
0: expecting it I was I do go on the record I was totally wrong Last week When I yeah. said It's going to happen This week yeah.
2: um, Oh I thought so too though I mean it felt like it Didn't it Well we yeah.
0: tended to be Getting a day A day per yeah. part But that's yeah. all Kind of out the window now um, But Jack Rabbit's has been painted As being this Beautiful pure place Of childhood innocence which is also aligning possibly with where Major Briggs was doing his alien communication work. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, somehow this is like a benign good place. Sounds like an opening to the White Lodge, possibly, or somewhere similar of Purity. Um, also, on my thoughts of Blackfire, could that be scorched engine oil? We have had references to this mm. in the part. Oil has been huge, as we know, having read that um, article that we linked to a couple of episodes ago about the, the role that oil plays and there was a lot of In fact, going back yeah. to that that article, it's full of imagery that we now get. Yeah. From this map. So you're about, thinking about, about, about the world of corn like oil. literal,
2: actual black fire. So yeah, I'm not I'm thinking of it as a symbol of something else.
0: Mm, well uh, yeah. I don't know
2: what, but I don't yeah, mm. I'm I was not thinking, are they actually going to encounter a fire or well, this or a scorched well. earth?
0: Well, yeah, fire as a gateway has been a thing. I mean, the scotch yeah. engine oil goes back to part, season one and two, which, the, you know, with the one thing that the, the lumberjack married to, the log lady mentioned, right. left her. It was an opening to a gateway. So okay. possibly this is something that we're going to be getting, that was important to get this episode in order b- before we get to Jackrabbits. Yeah. Uh, then the log lady comes in yes. and we're like, oh, my God, more log lady. No. We keep thinking every time we see her it's going to be the last time we get more. This is brilliant. And then she mentions the title of this episode, which mm. is There's Fire Where You're Going.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which, you know, and this was a beautiful moment, I thought, where Truman, you know, who's um, who's meant to be like fairly rational in his yeah. deductions, is suddenly confronted with this spiritual world that he doesn't know. And he's totally cool with it.
2: Yeah, mm. I, I really like that about him, that he is completely open to the possibilities. Yeah. Like, there's no. There's none of those conversations of you know you know this is rubbish. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Yeah, Albert. We mm. call it Albertish conversations. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and after we get this, re- that really beautiful calm scene, then we get Jesse knocking on the door. He wants to show you trimming his new car.
1: <laughs> mm. Which I have a <laughs> feeling it's going to be. I think people think this is a throwaway joke, but I have a feeling that Jesse's car might end up being important, particularly if he got it from Eds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a very good point.
1: We do have weird non sequitur jokes that happen occasionally in Twin Peaks, but. Often, yeah. yeah, they always end up linking up to something. Mm,
0: I'm dying to see his new car, personally. Yeah. anything from Ed would you know, be very cool.
1: Particularly if it leads us to Ed, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking
0: forward to that. He was at Comic Con last week, spruiking the show, so <gasps> it's a promising so sign. he's there.
1: Excellent.
0: Yeah. Anything before we leave for Buckhorn?
1: No, no. Okay. There's there's a lot that's <laughs> happening in Buckhorn. <laughs> <so> <laughs> in the car yeah. and drive.
0: Um, Mackley and Hastings <laughs> driving to a trailer park. Following them, Albert, Diane, Tammy, and Cole.
1: Guys, Diane is sporting an absolute humdinger look in this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is just those orange pants. They're great. Supreme, aren't they? absolutely mm. supreme.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's got the jungle chic mm. working overtime. So this is a place where William Hastings saw Major Briggs, and then they point. He points out how they got through the hole in the fence. He went about fifteen or twenty yards, and then he couldn't remember what happened after that.
2: Mm. He went too far.
0: Um, we, we're getting some buzzing electricity mm. sounds. We get a glimpse of a woodsman. Mm. And then uh, another one spots and vanishes and uh, appears and vanishes, and Cole says, I see it, after Albert pointed out. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that he calls it an it. And yeah, doesn't I noted see... that too. And this is a totally different shaped woodsman to the one that we hmm. spotted in the cell next to Bill Hastings earlier. The one, I think it might be the same one that was in the morgue. It seems mm-hmm. to be a similar sort of dumpy shape. Cole and Albert enter through the fence with guns drawn. Quite what a gun would do to a woodsman, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
2: Not
1: terribly much, I would think. Yeah.
2: Tammy's covering them on the other side of the fence. Now, just Tammy. Is Tammy wearing red shoes that are covered in dust in that scene?
0: Oh, good call. I don't, yeah. No. Did not spot those. They were not black.
2: And one yeah. would think, you know, the conservative dressing FBI agent mm. would have black pumps, as they mm. call them over there. Yeah. But they looked like a different f- colour and they looked kind of like they were covered in... It was a very dusty and Yeah, because in
1: other scenes, she's
2: definitely been wearing black, sh- black yeah. pumps. I don't know. It might have yeah. just been my eyesight. Yeah, hmm. But I'm going to go back and I want look to have a close tight. look at
0: that. Yeah, I just remember her stance and how unusually statuesque she was looking. Yeah. Um, and unsurprisingly, continually moving as well. Alien like, snake. Like the snake Alien she snake. is. has <laughs> been to be. Um, Hastings is terrified. His mouth is quivering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a, whole, a lot of building tension here as Tammy turns her back. And then we get more electrical crackling. And then we get the vortex in the sky, yeah. which is a brand new thing for this series. Mm. Did not see that coming. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, so the vortex kind of spins and increases and then Cole holds his hands up and looks like he's electr- electrically charged or something, waving his hands around.
2: What did you think those black things were spinning around? Like oh. they would look like sort of dark
1: particles. Mm, well, they, I thought they were leaves
0: of the tree that it was sucking okay. in, but then they didn't seem to act as like, so though leaves. Like no, leaves. they
1: were very, very, they almost look voidy, like little tiny voids that were like spinning around into mm. the vortex.
0: Maybe they were just there to show motion or something, mm. but it seemed like there was there was going to be an access to either the waiting room or the black lodge. Although judging by the description of it that Hastings gave, he and Ruth approached this area as as lovers, like with purity of heart. Mm. So they possibly and then they saw Briggs. Mm. So I'm assuming they got access to the white lodge where they met him. Mm. So the, and then we get the glimpse of the woodsman in the staircase. Yeah. Now this is another staircase.
2: Upstairs.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three of them.
2: In a black and white movie. Mm-hmm.
0: Almost yeah. all black and white But then yeah. if you look closely There's th- the wallpaper behind yeah. them Behind them you see the wallpaper And it's the same wallpaper ah, yes, yeah. From um, the, p- the picture of course. That, the, that Mrs Tremont gave Laura so, this is the same place as, as uh, Laura has been passing through. So, it's the room, I think it's, this is the room above the convenience store, which is mm. the way that they access, mm. you can access the lodge. So, that sort of throwback was amazing because that's the sort of thing I would never have noticed without people pausing no. <laughs> and zooming in on frame. No,
2: thank you for sharing that.
0: <laughs> it's okay, I'll post this, that photo on the show notes. It's blowing my mind. Albert manages to save Cole from being sucked in, though whether Cole wanted to be sucked in or didn't is unsure. Yeah.
1: Unsure, And God, thank goodness for Albert, as I say every single goddamn episode. Cole was just blindly wandering into that and seemed very happy to be sucked up without seemingly knowing exactly what he was going to get into. I'm a bit worried about him. And I'll say that when we get to the next scene with them, but Mm. he doesn't appear to be acting normal. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, that's
1: Mm. true. Or, or just very easily sucked into wherever it was that they were going to go, and clearly very inclined to just wander into that Mm. world and see what would happen.
0: Yeah, and so in between these things, we we cut to other people's perspectives which mm. is fascinating <laughs> because it may well have looked to somebody like um, from Diane like he was calling this vortex down or something because mm. he's, 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 he's raising his hands up to me, he's shaking, yeah. he's kind of blinking but, but and existence. But it seemed from flickering. everyone
1: who was outside of the fence that they actually could not see the vortex. Yeah, it was very interesting the way that
2: whole sequence was
1: shot. Yeah, you see mm. that sort of perimeter and... And it's just he's it's it's waving his yeah. arms above his head.
0: Yes, and yeah. also in the scene his lapel pin turns upside down. Mm. Which I'm not sure if that's significant at all But I thought it was an interesting <laughs> detail <laughs> that spin. Lynch put in there yeah. um, And Albert merely t- brings him back with a touch on the arm um, And then immediately draws his attention to Ruth Davenport's headless figure mm. Mm. Um, Diane is still smoking slowly and watching this entire scene mm. play out Expressionless And then she spots the woodsman as well mm. It's almost as if the woodsman deployed the body of Ruth Davenport To draw the, draw the other two away but even though it's probably not what happened, and then they managed to straight away take a photo, so immediately Albert's attention is drawn to those coordinates. Then we get the woodsman sneaking into the car, smashing open the head of Bill Hastings.
1: Poor old Bill. Yeah, yeah Mackley's horrible. response
0: to this I thought was brilliant.
1: Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. Oh, my it God. Exactly. It was exactly how you'd respond. Exactly. <laughs> He's got brain and matter and blood all over him, <laughs> I
2: assume.
1: Yeah, or yeah. at least all over his car. That's yeah, not, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's true. There that's wasn't a, That's actually a that much bugger much to him. a pollster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: he did say that. Mm. And then, yeah, we get two of the funnier lines of the show. Yes. Um, that, when he, after Mackley calls for backup and Diane... Throws a riot side in, saying um, this is not going to help. <laughs> Basically, um, he's going to need more than backup. And then Golden Cole confirms what we all just realised: he's dead.
1: No, no shit, Cole. Mm. Mm. What's Half his head's fucking missing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so that was um, a fairly intense scene. Mm. Um, are we sad to see Bill Hastings go?
1: I, I think so because it seems like in a lot of ways, you know, apart from the fact he was cheating on his wife, but hell, everyone in Twin Peaks cheats on everyone. So you know, where where are we really sitting moralistically with that anyway? <laughs> um, it seemed like that he and Ruth were just interested people in these strange phenomenon, and they wanted to find out what was going on, yeah. and they just ended up way over their heads, mm. and it's it's all quite a sad tale in yeah. the
2: end I think but I think probably in relation to the narrative itself he's probably got nothing left to offer us yeah. yes. you know, he's, he's led people, he's led know. them where they needed to go, he's, he, he's given up all he's the clues that he had yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and we move to the Buckhorn Sheriff's Department, Head. Cole's right hand yeah. is shaking cat in a hot team roof which I haven't ever heard as an expression before but it seems to fit quite well the well, t-
1: Tennessee Williams yeah. had to get it from somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I didn't realise that was
0: something you say when your hand starts shaking on.
1: There we go. And again, no one understands Albert's jokes. These no. people don't deserve him.
0: <laughs> so Albert shows Cole the coordinates on Ruth. Um, very obviously the deployment of this, uh, the people in this scene I thought was really masterfully put. Mm. So we've got Diane on a backless stool, sitting up by herself, looking down, but then also apart from the others. Mm. And obviously Albert is watches her mouth the coordinates and she watches mm. him watch her
1: so they both know that they both know yeah but I, what do they I each think there's
0: know? a yeah, <laughs> yeah so 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 Diane's in action when she saw the woodsman mm. is that explicable like would, I
2: don't know she hardly seemed shocked she was cool as a cucumber mm. you know
0: do you think she drew them to the location uh,
1: there's something going on there. there's, a, yeah. there's definitely something going yeah. on i think it would be a thing of maybe Diane she's either seen them before Mm, or she has an idea of what they possibly are and knew that there was probably... There was no way that she could have interfered to stop anything that was happening. Better to kind of sit back and see where everything goes. Diane definitely knows a lot more than what she's letting on.
0: Definitely, yes. I thought this scene was full of triple-crossing dialogue where she knows that they've intercepted messages, she knows that they're looking out for her and then wanting to keep her close, in the words of Cole... And that this is the only way that it could play out when, while Mackley's in the room to be able to make sure they're on the same page, which I think is why she said, I think I saw a woodsman," oh, well, you know, I think yeah. I saw one of them and then I can't be sure. I mean, it's a blatant lie. Everybody kind of knows it. Mm. But it's also she's just kind of doing it to say, see that they're all on the same page, I
1: think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I feel like almost the conversation with the cigarettes was almost like a similar little trick.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there is the idea that she had just got the coordinates so she was going to go text them and so they wanted to keep her in the room. But then also that was a Mackley line that he said, yeah. "If you got, smoke him if you got him. So mm. I don't yeah. know.
1: It's interesting. Levels <laughs> it upon is. levels. Yes. Also, I want to make a short film that's just David Lynch eating donuts. Oh, yeah.
0: So we finally got this mm. promotional scene in, um, <laughs> yeah. clip of him eating a donut. <laughs> Damn looking,
2: a good-looking donut too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, they were good. And so. he referred
0: to them as a policeman's dream, which is another, yeah. nice, another nice yeah. throwback. Mm. Uh, Mackley tries to put the um, rationalist angle on this. So no suspects were found in the area. There's a positive idea on Ruth Davenport. Nobody heard anything. A bullet didn't do that to Hastings. No. Uh, mm. And then Hole uh, then remembers that he saw the dirty bearded men on the staircase. Mm. So we've got three of them, which have led people to go three. Trinity, Trinity was the name of the nuclear test that at White Sands that we saw in 1945. Mm. OK. Is this the symbol that Hawke didn't want to talk about, this mm. something gash in the universe which has let in all this evil energy in a new form?
2: I'm interested, just to go back just a tiny, tiny bit into why Tammy is pretty much the only person other than Mackley who didn't see a woodsman.
0: Well, she, I think, is the only one who hasn't accessed that, that realm before, okay. although she knows about it clearly.
1: Yeah, we, we presume that Diane has accessed it at some point.
0: And it's possible that Tammy did see it, we just didn't get the nod from Lynch the way that we did with, um, with Diane okay. having seen it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, again, I think she's a bit too new to this. Mm. And hasn't makes has, sense. Yeah. yeah, hasn't accessed the. Uh, so we leave the bar corn for mm. Las Vegas. they
2: mm. Las Vegas. And the
0: very oh. appe- <laughs> the very appealing um, environment of Bushnell Mullen's office.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> with the frustrated Anthony Sinclair outside, mm. and then Dougie being led by Phil um, mm. with coffee and, and one, the of the the the, of coffee. one of the smell of coffee. One of the more beautiful scenes of the.
1: Yes, I found markets. it quite touching and also kind of sad in that. I I think I mentioned this a little bit the last episode about how, you know, there there are people who do get that Dougie isn't, he's not right, but for whatever reason, like particularly in the work environment, like Dougie is now Bushnell's star employee, so you can't really go to Bushnell and be like, Dougie's not, not functioning. So, you know, you have people like Phil who are just kind of making sure that Dougie's, getting through his day and going where he needs to be and, like, the chauffeur driver later on who recognises Dougie from taking him home from the casino and realises that, you know, he needs help getting in and out of the car because he's not able to do it himself. So it's this really, like, poignant reminder of, yeah, there are people around who totally understand that cognitively Dougie isn't... He's not completely there... But because of the situations that they find everyone in, you can't voice that because everyone else who is, you know, important, inverted commas, thinks that Dougie is perfectly fine or at least they think that he's functioning enough to get him to do what they want him to do. I felt a little bit, yeah, during this episode, Dougie almost starts being used as a tool by people and that's disturbing. That's really. Well, I think it's cool. interesting that
0: they don't. It's not really Dougie that they're impressed by. It's the spiritual guidance he gets mm. and what it offers them. Mm. So it's because he's, he's being looked out for by the, the good spirits from the White Lodge that come in and save him when he needs to be saved and give him guidance, which we get some pretty impressive examples of later in the episode mm. sorry, mm. in the part. Uh, that, yeah, it does become interesting that they basically need him for miracles. Yeah. And and yeah. he's just a vehicle for that. But
1: you really, yeah.
2: you do feel his vulnerability in this episode.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: you feel his vulnerability, so and you what feel are you pushing his him into here? you feel the void that's within him mm. of just like grasping for something that he doesn't quite know what it is, mm. and he's just continually grasping, but there's nothing there.
2: Yeah, it's very much this episode too. There was this sort of ongoing reference to missing heads. And you kind of forget that while he's actually got his physical head, there is something missing there. Mm. You know, you can't see it, but it's definitely gone. Mm. Yeah. It made me feel more and more actually convinced
1: that the Dale Cooper we all know and love is not coming back. This has also been my feeling for, yeah. quite, a, for quite a while now. I've felt that if he does come back... Uh, even in, like, a vaguely recognisable, coherent form, it's almost a cheat for what we've gone through because I think so much of this story has been about reiterating the fact that you can't go back to the past, you can't recreate the past, you can't, you know, when so much time has gone and so much has been experienced and so much has been taken away, you can't expect that that same person is going to be exactly the same. No. Even in the smaller glimpses we've gotten of original characters where it seems like they're kind of maybe close to the same place they were when we left them, there's still enough difference to kind of really make you feel that weight the the weight of those 25 years. Mm. And no-one makes you feel that more than Coop. And I think as always like the moral centre of the show and being such a beloved character I think it hits you so much harder that he's he's fundamentally changed and the yeah. wonderful you know man that is kind of like you get like the echoes of it later in towards the end of the episode where the old lady comes back and recognizes Mr Jack Potts and wants to tell him about what what a special person he is and how wonderful he is. You know, it it is a beautiful echo of how so many people talked about Coop in the original series. So you kind of get this weird these weird little shadows of what was, but it'll never entirely come back. And Coop will never understand why people speak about him this way. And he he might be able to get a tiny slither of that back. But he doesn't understand what it is. And the greater resonance of that because of what we know about Cooper is just so much more devastating.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the season one, well, the life of Laura was essentially about trauma and grief and how that changes you. And since both her and Cooper are essentially good people who come in and they sacrifice, they martyr themselves in a way, Mm. then this, I think, is just his his sacrifice, basically, Mm. is what we're seeing played out. Yeah. And so there's, I think it would be impossible for him to come back as, as Which he was. Feeds
1: into my prediction. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God! Is is what are we? We're episode eleven. Is it too
0: early to start talking about if you think Coop will die? Um, well, let's talk about that in theory fish.
1: Let's talk about that in theory fish. Excellent. Yes. Good. I'll keep drinking until then. <laughs>
0: Uh, so Mullins is doing push-ups against the desk. Yeah. Um, he's which so is, fit. Yeah, which is great. Um,
1: he was a boxer,
0: baby. <laughs> just in case we forget. <laughs> and then we immediately see his... Well, he um, brings Dougie in and then he pulls out some ama- amazingly skilled investigative chops that shows you why he's in charge of this insurance company. Um, your investigative work has exposed organised crime. The recent two attempts in your life absolutely confirm this. Thanks to you, the Mitchin Brothers Cleaners has been exposed... But we've noticed that somebody else is pulling the strings and yeah. so then he orchestrates this beautiful um, secondary policy which feels like something straight out of a noir movie which um, a friend of the show, Eloise Ross, mm. immediately went to work and was yet to find a noir movie that just pulled off this particular example.
1: Oh, it does feel very double, double indemnity Yeah, that's, well, that was my first thought but yeah. not,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: not quite, quite that big.
1: Yeah. Um, so he sets up <laughs> this
0: scam involving the cheque for $30 million and secondary insurance policy against it. Bushnell kind of arranges his meetings between Mitchum's and Dougie to expose their ploy... With the um, mm-hmm. the line, nobody keeps battling butt on the ropes for long. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is
1: such an intriguing side yeah.
0: character, Bushnell,
2: yeah. isn't he? I wasn't expecting him to actually, after we first met him, to have such a significant
1: part. Yeah, think. same. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so immediately you know, we're all kind of scared for Dougie's welfare going mm. into the, the Mitchums. And I'm, Seems I'm,
1: like he's just going in the lion's den, isn't it? Well, exactly. It? Yeah. I was like,
0: is Bushnell, like, sacrificing him? Does he know? Is he the one pulling the strings at some point? Yeah.
1: I thought it was telling that when he's, like, bundling Dougie into the, into the limo and then he goes to him, do you have the cheque with you? And when Dougie doesn't respond back, he literally pats him down to, like, mm. make sure... It's there. So it's kind of like another instance of someone being clued enough into Dougie that knowing that you would have to check these things because yeah. Dougie might not remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of start getting a bit suspicious of just kind of like, Oh, okay, how cognizant is Bushnell mm. of everything that's going on and is he just using Dougie as a pawn? Yes.
0: Yeah. So that was definitely I thought too. Um, then we go get a shot at the Mitcham household. Um, and where they're having breakfast at two twenty three PM. <laughs>
1: Gangster breakfast, breakfast. Yeah, time. I mean, breakfast were, time. Running, running
0: casinos, man. You, yeah. that's all that yeah. was. Um, this was, I recognized. I thought was like a familiar house that we'd seen before in the movie Casino, and there was another throwback to a scene, a scene in Casino later on when yeah. Dougie goes to meet the Mitchems. But oh I was like, god. oh my god, this is this yeah. is just like the Joe Pesci scene. Anyway. But I don't know if it is. Somebody on uh, Doug Part pointed out that it's one of Frank Sinatra's old houses. They oh. discovered that during the production when they when they rented sugar. Unsurprising. There. Unsurprising, <laughs> yes. They pour out Raisin Bran and then there's this beautiful scene where I I was kind of not quite so sold on the Mitchums so far. I thought they were kind of weird fits. Yeah. Belushi was playing it straight but then sometimes he would be a bit cheesy. But now... It,
1: it, it was definitely my so. least... I was it was definitely the the storyline I was least interested in. And you know it's it, I've been boosted up a little bit. I, I am convinced as to the uh, suitability of Belushi for this role, which is quite astonishing, because I think, yeah. yeah, most people have just been like, haven't really thought of him as a proper thespian before yeah. now. <laughs> yeah.
0: And what is he even doing? I mean, like mm. it' was just made no sense, the whole storyline for quite a while. So mm. it was nice last episode when it got tied into the lucky seven insurance thing via Anthony Sinclair, mm. and now it's getting even closer because yeah.
1: and I particularly like the way the gangsters have kind of been sutured back into everything so that it all makes sense is all via dreams because of course we all know yes. dreams are so important oh in this world God, yeah. and they come true more they do
0: <laughs> yeah. and what were you making of the whole Las Vegas storyline
2: well what you were just saying about them not sort of seeming important I can't actually even remember when I first saw them <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, very well, early on, maybe like episode four or five or something. Was it around the the jackpots? Wins? It was when they, tu- the t- jackpots. when they turned up to yeah. shake okay. down the I think possibly episode no. five. Yeah, they didn't then.
2: really register. But, yeah, they definitely did in this episode. And I thought what Belushi was doing uh, last night was the per- a perfect kind of pitch for an episode that was so carefully um, constructed around the absurd and the terrifying. Mm. And so mm-hmm. he was, you know, really straddling that line really well.
0: Mm. Yeah. So uh, I
2: still don't really understand why they're two grown brothers living together and all the rest of it, but you know, <laughs> with know.
0: three showgirls together, with but, three showgirls
1: yeah. who gangsterism <laughs> who just me. you know <laughs> yeah. springs forth a myriad of lifestyles. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a weird one. Lifestyle I mean, choice. A lot of it can
0: be explained with <laughs> it's Vegas. <I> don't think <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. Um, Anything
1: goes in Vegas. <laughs> this is true.
0: Um, so Roddy's is uh, reading the paper, um, and then Bradley turns up, and then he talks about his dream about killing this Douglas Jones. Fuck, <laughs> I hate him so bad. I can't wait to kill this guy. Can you last three more hours? Barely. <laughs> and he can't even eat his own breakfast. It was so sad. Uh-huh. His, um, was it, it was a Raisin Bran, wasn't yes, it? Yes, sad,
1: sad Raisin Bran. <laughs> I can't even eat this. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and then we, then we cut back to um, Bushnell leading Dougie into, out of the building and then yeah. Dougie sees the one-armed man beckoning him towards Simon's famous coffee. Mm. Um, what
1: on earth could he be finding in there? I don't
0: know. Yeah, Ooh. it's fascinating. So uh, somebody <laughs> pointed out that Simon's is the Hebrew name for meaning to hear, to listen. The Z in the uh, in the okay. the title is a uh, very harsh, very different sort of Z that looks more like a chevron pattern than the re- than it fits with the rest of the word. And the weirdest thing is the symbol of the sun, which is hand drawn with a bunch of rays coming out, is exactly, literally, exactly the same as Big Ed's gas farm, oh. the one in the middle which, with the writing around it. Jeez. So again, I know throwback, it's a bit of a nod in my shop. Then Dougie reappears holding a large cardboard box. Mm and uh, walks towards... I think it's put into the limo by the by the familiar driver.
1: Yes. Mysterious Boxes is also very film noir and particularly very Kiss Me Deadly.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, good call. Mm. Normally, there's terrifying things within boxes. Reminded me so, of something else. Oh, what did it remind you of? It reminded me of Seven. Mm. Uh, I have seen other people. But also because I was thinking about it in terms
2: of all the missing heads. Yeah, and good call. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And the desert yeah. with the electricity...
1: Yeah, it's all there Good point
0: mm. um, friend of the show Eloise Ross Pointed out the Kiss Me Deadly thing Which um, Great yeah.
1: I would expect this Of Eloise So would
0: Yes, Yes <laughs> If there's a noir Connection to be made She'll make it Bushnell asks the limo driver Where are you taking him Santino's And Bushnell's like Oh you like that So A restaurant Yeah, that's what, mm, yeah, that's what You think they're yeah, going yeah. to but In the no. middle of the desert uh, Then Dougie does the weird thing Where he clutches his face And says the word dead in a way that was very reminiscent of Evil Coop's conversation with the mechanic. But
2: this is after Bushnell's given him a little, you know, yeah. courage. You know. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. What is, what I couldn't down. figure out what that was about.
0: Uh, and I'm make sure it will become significant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, although the significance of Sean Colvin's version of Evil Las Vegas <laughs> <laughs> is something I'm still a little flummoxed by. Yeah. Uh, now, this was uh, used in the closing credits of The Big Lebowski. Oh. And also features a sample, I'm pretty sure, of the New Order song Regret. And new Order The melody to a different new water song is played by the pianist later in the show. Although no. I think I'm only making these connections because I know too much about British music from the 80s and 90s. No,
1: that's fine. And I think
0: this is an example of people just finding. I didn't hear the new Order want. in the. No, in the
2: piano me neither. Music
0: and yeah, which song was it? Um, the new water song that the pianist is playing is mm. Subculture.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Which is a cracking tune. And then we have got a lot of shots of the strip and neon mm. signs, and then the desert and things.
1: And so, roads going nowhere.
0: Yes, and um, that's why I thought, oh, this is looking like the final scene from Casino. Mm. Bradley is explaining to Roddy about the dream that he had and then mm. the importance of what may be in that box. Mm. How do you feel this whole scene is playing out? Because we get some burned out houses that they're standing near and mm. it's a very very ominous location.
1: Yeah, it, I don't know it was one that I the energy of it was really interesting for the first time it actually raised my pulse as to what the gangsters were up to and what was going to be happening was Dougie yeah. going to be in real danger I didn't really think so because no, my theory was like if you're going to kill Coop you're going to wait till the yeah. last couple of episodes yeah, yeah, yeah. and this it's not going to be these two who do it and no, no no so <laughs> he has to meet his doppelganger Yeah, exactly of course yeah <laughs> um, but I was really intrigued as to were the gangsters going to come around to the side of, oh, we're, we're going to listen to our dreams because you assume that, you know, gangsters are only interested in hard and fast facts and cash. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. were they going to accept something as ephemeral, as a dream, into how they were going to deal with well, this guy?
0: This reminded me a lot of the BFG. Because oh. there was this, there was a very key scene where the BFG is explaining to Sophie about how nobody believes her dreams, but if they wake up and have a tiny bit of that dream become real, mm. in the case of where they were giving, telling the Queen, you know, if he, she, the Queen sees a little girl sitting on the windowsill, she'll immediately believe the rest of the dream that we give her. Right. The same thing happens here with the with the cut, mm. which was administered by Candy, which I find fascinating. So because mm. Candy is. A really, really interesting character. Mm. So at the beginning it looks like she's showing, exhibiting signs of somebody who's been traumatically treated and been abused in the past. She mm. seems to be docile. She's extremely scared when she does anything that could be construed mm. as... There
1: we go. And she cancer. also seems drugged up a lot of
0: the time. Drugged up a lot of the time. But then she's administering blows that disappear. Mm. So, I, I, yeah, this is, there's <laughs> some theory fish stuff about this that we'll get to at one oh, point. Oh. So Roddy is certainly interested as well Why why his, blow, his uh, injury has disappeared underneath his Band-Aid. Uh, and then we get this showdown with the box. Beautiful beautiful framing, I thought, mm. as well. Mm. The brothers on either side, Dougie in the middle, holding the box. It's and a bit like
2: a Western shootout, almost. It is. It's yeah. almost like a standoff. Good yeah. call, yeah. yeah. Did you have any
0: theories about what the box held? Besides, No. I
2: think, thinking about it now, I'm thinking, I felt really, I felt very tense throughout this episode, particularly the first, say, 25 minutes, until we got to Dougie. Then I felt really sad and... Mm unsure of what was happening, but I sort of had this feeling that that box was going to contain something funny. Mm. Like, I yeah. thought the moment was going to, that tension was going to actually burst with something mm. completely unexpected.
1: And absurd.
2: Yeah, absurd. Yeah. Not, it wasn't going to contain a severed head. It wasn't
1: going to contain a bomb or, you know. Mm. And importantly, I felt it wasn't going to contain anything that was actually going to result in harm to Dougie. No. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought it might hold a key or something like that. But as, you know, I was watching with a friend, he was like, what the hell is in that box, cake? And I was like, no, no, no yeah. it's too big.
2: It was a big box. That's it was like a very big box. The, the size pie. was con- yeah. what yeah. probably confused
1: a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Then uh, Bradley goes and pats him down, finds he hasn't even got a wallet and then finds mm. the cheque and then does this amazing walk back.
1: <gasps> with his knees just, like, slightly yeah. Collapsing. Yeah, slightly bowed, yeah. It's it a good physical um, performance. I yeah. love this guy. Yeah. And then <laughs>
0: immediately we know Anthony Sinclair is doomed. Yes. Now that this
1: Probably best, really.
0: Oh, definitely, yeah. yes. No good. He
1: signed his own death certificate. Um,
0: so then the, the, the Dougie gets taken out to celebrate mm. um, at a classy restaurant with a pianist that some people think was like Roman Polanski. Other people <laughs> were sure was Angelo Badalamenti in disguise. And actually turns out to be a guy called Smokey Miles.
1: Yeah. Smokey. That's a great name. I don't know him. Excellent. Yeah. It's a great name for a pianist.
0: Mm. Yeah, it is, mm. yeah. Particularly one who's just clearly not even moving his hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then we get some really weird banter between Dougie and the mm. brothers. Um, every kid should have a gym set. Mm. Even, even my orphanage had a gym set. Mm. Oh, how they got into this conversation? I have an idea. Mm. I um, find
1: it interesting that the brothers came from an orphanage. Yeah. Mm. 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 Yes.
0: I wonder if it was the same one that little Nicky came from. Probably not. Mm. Uh, and Dougie gets introduced to the concept of toasting, which is immediately confusing. Uh, they clink jar glasses and then la- the slots lady turns up. I can't remember <gasps> how they credit her.
1: Yes. no, I think she might just be credited as old lady slots or something like that. Something. Slots machine lady. Yeah. But no, this was very... She's transformed into a princess. She has. Yep. And I found it absurdly touching. It was very
2: moving, that scene. Very moving. Yeah. Because also it emphasised, I think, the age disparity between the two of them. It emphasised how infantile... Mm. he appears
0: mm. was anyone else reminded of laura in Firewalk with me when she bent down to kiss his cheek yes he was sitting yeah down? yeah yeah i feel yeah. like that was intentional i
1: think it was definitely meant to mirror like i was kind of saying earlier you know there's so many sequences in the original series where people are just grateful for, to cooper and kind of almost bask in the glow of him a bit because he's just so good mm. and straightforward and kind of everything that you wish that you could be Cooper is everyone at our best, sort of thing. And so to have this wonderful moment where someone was just so happy to praise him and that their entire world had been changed because of him, whether he knew it consciously or not at the time, is so incredibly, so incredibly touching and then so sad as well because you just know that Coop's feeling this weird shadow of something that had perhaps happened to him a lot. 25 years ago before the lodge and you can kind of see him like trying to grasp it in some way but he just couldn't it was just beyond him
0: mm. well what i found fascinating about the scene was the way she was almost summoned by the music so mm. there was a the pianist is playing then he holds an e flat mm. which is the very beginning of laura's theme yeah
1: that's the thing i felt like so much of the music during the sequence was just like weird weird stuttering echoes of laura's theme that just weren't Quite right.
0: Right. Yeah. So some people were saying it was the, the beginning of sycamore trees. Uh, other people had suggested it was Caruso's theme, and henry then followed by Henry Mancini's sunflower, and then it resolves into battlementi's mm. new song, Heartbreak.
2: Mm. 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 What an aptly titled piece of music. Mm.
0: Because and then the movement yeah. of Candy into this as well is really yeah. interesting. It's almost like a musical. The way that she was kind of moved with the music. She was brought in. She was kind of staring away. Mm. Then she starts talking mm. about the traffic outside, mm. which is almost what Dougie saw from the limousine is that we were listening to Viva Las Vegas before. Mm. Yeah. Because she was talking about how... F- how sort of,
1: busy sort of, it was on the strip. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah.
0: It was really interesting to see also how the Mitchums were quite moved by Mrs. Jackpot's mm. as well. Mm. And, and well,
1: thirty million million dollars will just you know smooth any <laughs> amount of interpersonal problems, exactly. uh, <laughs> um, should heal all wounds. Um, I think.
0: One more thing about E flat is it's also the tone in the Great Northern.
2: Ah, okay. the hum. All right, cool.
0: Yep. So there could be some musical resolution at some so point.
2: So what? What is Cooper recognizing there? That's the thing I was thinking was he is so moved by. The hitting of that note, the f- his face moves towards the piano, and the expression on Kyle McLaughlin's face there is just perfect. And yeah. Candy
0: is also drawn; yeah. she's like off as well, as if quite mm. captivated by it too, which is giving rise to my th- to a theory we'll talk about theory. And
2: which I have should... an idea there too.
0: Great, <gasps> I'm looking well forward just, to hearing.
2: I just feel like I either misheard something, or I was supposed to mishear something.
0: Oh, um, are you talking about the name?
2: Yeah, so yes, I thought he called her Annie.
0: Yes. Yes, I think oh. she did. I think you did too. We'll we'll play this bit now so you guys mm. can make up your own mind. Candy. Candy. Candy, look at me. I'm pretty sure it went Candy, Candy, Annie.
2: Oh, no, I didn't notice that at all. Mm. I rewatched it today. I didn't notice it last night, uh, though. Oh,
1: right, is okay. it in the subtitles? No. No, no but then know. the
0: subtitles didn't do the very thing either mm, so yeah. they're not always reliable look at me Putting yes the subs on. because also it's Annie look at me which is the same thing that Diane says to Doppelcoop as well yeah and the same thing that Laura was saying to Bob when she when he was on top of her in firework with me so yes very interesting another piece of pie for my friend and then we get the beautiful cherry pie thing <gasps> where Eloise and I both watching this together we're going yes. it's not going to happen it's not going to turn out he's not going to come back he's not going know, he's not going to know.
1: is but Damn good. Damn good. And damn it did look
2: good.
0: damn good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The very final line is uh, friend now, I think, or just friend. Friend. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really love, I just want to give a shout-out to Karl McLaughlin's uh, food acting yeah. where <laughs> he, he when he eats things, I noticed this was with the chocolate cake from last week, He's extru- he's just got down pat the movements of someone who's not really either not really used to using cutlery mm. or finds cutlery difficult, but is very, like, intent on yeah. on food. The way he does that is just, like, far out. Every every time they do a close-up of him eating, I'm like, my heart is, like, breaking into a thousand pieces yeah. because it's more effective than, like, anything else yeah. That, yeah. that he does. And everything he does is extraordinarily yeah. affecting for someone who is... Particularly for a character who's not really meant to be real. But he prepared. comes
0: back. The movement is so different. The tone of his mm. voice is different. Yeah. The way he moves his head is is Cooperish. It's not mm. even. Yeah. It's this r- brief connection. It's mm. so fascinating to see how food does that. And good. now to Theory Fish. So last week I I threw a couple of killer theories at you that have still been reverberating around the internet ever since, Ah. although I certainly didn't invent them. (laughs) This week I haven't really managed to land any massively powerful theories that are complete. It's more ideas, I suppose.
1: Ideas are good. Ideas are great. Ideas you can throw around. So the
0: first one is Candy is the new embodiment of Laura. Laura is, is within Candy in the way that Cooper is within Dougie. So this comes about because she was. Oh god, I'm going to have to use the phrase "cosmic uterus trumpet" again. but she came out she, in that golden ball towards Twin Peaks, Candy is, uh, seems to have these properties that she talks and moves in a similar way to Dougie. That would make you think somebody should give her some medical attention. She's possibly had a stroke or is suffering from some severe trauma. But she's actually looked after quite and treated quite um, benignly, I suppose, in, by the by the Mitchems, mm-hmm. who are quite protective of her. And don't fire her because they're worried about where she would go or what would happen to her afterwards. And she also seems to she had that connection with the music that we just talked about a bit earlier. And there's the the wound that she gave that disappeared. There's the, also the way that she seems to be kind of fascinated in, in the, with the world in a sort of new way. Everything seems to be new and kind of exciting to her or she'll suddenly observe things in this kind of, kind of childlike way. She's also had a trajectory that nobody was really predicting when they when she was first introduced, where she seemed like some sort of airhead of some sort. But no, there's a lot more going on there. So you guys I uh, would love to hear whether you think this would be a fresh, I caught a trout in my pyjamas, or it stinks, a fish in my percolator.
1: I'm more, what's the middle one, the skunk? Oh, the,
0: or a green butt skunk.
1: Green butt skunk, yeah. I'm feeling more about that just only because I feel like... I don't know enough about Candy yet to be able to say anything about her for certain. There's definitely something up with her, Mm -hmm. like quite significantly. But yeah, I feel like we haven't been given enough enough about her yet to be able to formulate anything where I'm kind of like, no, I I have an idea of where this is going. Okay. Yeah, I think I agree. But
2: I do think she's going to be playing some kind of significant role because she's coming increasingly into focus. Mm. She's very foreshadowy. Yes, as I'm a figure. very keen to
0: see if, uh, yeah. if Candy gets to interact with Dougie in the future because I would be very interested to see what they might be able to bring out in each other. Or she gave
2: him a lovely look when she gave him that second piece of pie. Yes. There was sort of something warm there mm. between them.
0: Yeah. yeah, I feel like that could go somewhere. Um, another theory fish is, this one is being proposed by future guests of the show, Themby Sodell and Jess Penny. The military, in cahoots with the FBI, are trying to gain control of the lodges so they can be used as weapons, explanation mark, <laughs> which is why Briggs went and hibernated because he found them to be ideologically impure. This is also why Diane and Jeffries are working against the FBI in a way. By the way, Jess, I wasn't thinking that's why Briggs hibernated. I was thinking he was hibernating in preparation for something to come that we don't know about yet. So he'd be there and be ready to help stop it. That something might be a Blue Rose case. Ooh.
2: Oh, that just went right over my head. Well, <laughs> yeah, I thought this was
0: interesting because I haven't read this anywhere else. Yeah. This military in cahoots with the FBI thing plays a lot into that article we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. in this whole nuclear thing. This was talking about possible ramifications of around the woodsman and um, nuclear blast that I don't want to spoil because I understand Biss is writing a piece about this that mm-hmm. I cannot wait to read. It. Because of these kind of... We keep getting these larger economic and social and political situations added to the dimensions. So, sure. like, yeah. we all, we, you know, Norma is buried in paperwork and accounts. There's economic stresses that are p- causing problems for everybody who's been anywhere near Sparkle. The standards of living in the Fat Trailer Park have never been great and they're probably just as bad as they've always been they're not <laughs> getting any better. So there's, all around there's these kind of big problems that can be tied back to these military-industrial complex, which Mm. Mark Frost is fascinated with.
1: Yeah, I think there is a lot more politics in this new Twin Peaks and I think people are really willing to acknowledge in a lot of ways. Even Lynch himself has kind of like poo-pooed the idea that he's a political filmmaker, but you just have to look Mm. at his films and you're just like, Mm. it's all there, David, don't (laughs) pretend.
0: (laughs) I'm a little more trading my pyjamas, I think, on this. I really Mm. think that there will be a bigger political dimension to whatever happens to this show. Whether it's Coop sacrificing himself for the sins of modern Twin Peaksians or whether we get Laura to come back and who will have been through her own journeys that are, will, can be magnified, to be, put her in the situation of a modern-day martyr or something like that. Mm. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. this, this segment is really just pointing out how much of a fence-sitter I am. But, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I just... Yeah, so... I'm very much... I, I would be really interested if this turned out to be outlaid far more blatantly than the show has done so far, I'd love it. I'm not quite sure if they will go all the way there.
0: Right, okay. Yeah. Because Secret History of Twin Peaks loves this sort of stuff, but again, we don't know how much it's going to play in.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends on whether Frost or Lynch is going to win in the Battle of (laughs) Armageddon here, really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can I ask what you were suggesting? You mentioned a little bit earlier about how you had some theories. Oh,
2: look, it was basically just what you said and we've raised, which is that I think that, that Cooper's going to have to die. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I've been... I thought it ages ago, though, <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, weeks ago, because I feel like his destiny and Laura's destinies are so intertwined. You know, they're both basically in this kind of purgatorial limbo at the moment, and he probably has to somehow atone for the sins of his double, even though it's not technically him, or perhaps it is, mm. I'm not really sure how to make sense of it. I just kind of see it coming towards that, like the only way for her soul or her spirit to no longer be so restless and to have some sort of peace, I guess. Like maybe I'm thinking about it too much in kind of Christian kind of mythology, but, you know...
0: Well, we've had that. angels turn up.
2: Yeah, we have. Yeah. So, you know, that stuff is in there, but this idea that he will have to die... It's like the final sacrifice. Like for Doppelkoop
0: her. will have to die, and Dougie. Well, and I think that well, all I, the Coopers.
2: All the Coopers. I think there's going to be mm. a Cooper, show, um, yeah, a Cooper showdown.
0: Like at, at the, some
2: point, somewhere. Yeah.
0: Like at the end of Reservoir Dogs, like <laughs> some sort of. <laughs> <laughs> no one makes it out. Men
1: in black suits. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, no show. I, should, I yeah. just spoiled
0: the end of Reservoir Dogs. People haven't seen. Yeah. You it. Know. Oh no. Sorry.
1: It's and how dare you spoil that? Also, twenty-five year old movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I mean, that.
2: I, I don't know. I don't. I have. Look, I have zero idea how this is going to happen. It's just in my gut, like the mm. emotional logic of this story. If it's going to end and there's not going to be another season, this would be a resolution that would be very sad but also quite poignant. Oh, mm. man,
0: are you kidding? It's, yeah. it's beyond poignancy. Yeah. It's, like, globally traumatic. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> <laughs> probably won't be people. able to get
2: out of bed for weeks. Oh, yeah. Man. But yeah. before no. then, I think there's going to be those coordinates that came up this in this week's um, part, you know, the, the other good men and the, that circle that's going to be complete yes. that um, yeah, yeah. the log lady was talking about. I think that Hawke and Truman and Cole and Albert, they're all going to be meeting up somewhere. Converging. Mm. Converging on Black Fire.
1: Mm. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I don't know. I'm very much with you there. Jo. I have no idea what I'm talking I'm, about. Let's be honest. But no, <laughs> but no, no that, that, that thing you said about the emotional trajectory of the story in order for it to make sense. Like, I've been feeling this for a while and I kind of didn't want to admit it particularly as early when I started thinking about it because I was like, oh, there's so many other opinions I've aired on this podcast that people have hated and I'm just like, wow, they would have just really, really just gone for me if I'd started spouting around episode four, yeah, Cooper's going (laughs) to (laughs) die. Would have been run off the internet. But, yeah, I feel like the story that's being set up as it is and how this kind of mythology of sacrifice and the lodge and particularly Laura's story is kind of now being laid out I feel like yeah the emotional fidelity of the story demands Mm. some kind of sacrifice and Laura was our sacrifice in the first Mm. two series and now it becomes more and more likely I feel that our sacrifice now is is Cooper I mean he's already sacrificed so much let's be Mm. honest but yeah yeah this, but but that's the thing. Yeah. I think the fact that we keep harking back to Fire Walk With Me and Fire Walk With Me was all about Laura just sacrificing parts of herself again and again and again yeah. and again. And if we do bring it back to this idea that the new series has floated, which is Laura is a symbol of good and it's this wonderful, awe-inspiring thing that someone so good ends up sacrificing themselves on the font of absolute evil, mm. we, we, we've seen that played out some way with Coop yeah. already. Yeah. And now that his self has fragmented as well, you need to bring all those pieces together. You need to bring everything together in order to finish it.
2: Mm. Hmm.
1: Do you feel like it's going to have a f- conclusion? Uh, Andy
0: uh,
2: does
1: not want Cooper to no, die. No,
2: can see I see it in I his feel, face. I don't <laughs> want him to die. I don't want him to die. But
0: yeah. No, I feel yeah. like whatever is going to happen, it's going to involve sealing up the rip that was created by the nuclear bomb. That is probably going to be done via the fireman slash giant, and hopefully seniority to Dido. I think mm. she. They've both got pretty big roles, and I think it's going to involve. Yeah, there'll be sacrifices. I, d- I don't feel Cooper would die. I feel like it's more likely we'll get him either back in episode 13, which goes to another theory that I could talk about. Ooh. Um
2: related to the number 13?
0: No, it's related no. to the number of times Cooper flicks in when well, he's in the glass box. So remember last week I talked about the theory that Diane yeah. deployed Tracy to come in and distract the young man and mm. have sex and die in place of to allow Cooper to pass through. And so Cooper flickers ten times, like there's sort of Escher-like movement mm. in the box. And so there's an idea that he's gone back ten days and his mind and body are ten days apart from each other. And so on the tenth day, he'll be reunited mm. with the body and mind. And because that was done by Cooper to make him a very easy target for the people in Las Vegas to kill.
1: Mm.
0: Not, a th- yeah, not a fresh theory fish? No,
1: not for
2: me. Okay. This is not a show I would ever want to binge watch. No, 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 but, no but I'm no, so no. hungry for the next episode, the moment mm. I stop playing the one that I've just watched. Mm. Like, I can't wait for Mondays to come around fast enough. Yeah, yeah, it
0: yeah, is like that. Uh, and finally, I think we're just to check in on Laura. So where do we think Laura is at with this scenario? Because I think that there's something we've seen, particularly this episode, which is to do with the state of children in the world of Frost and Lynch, and also the fears mm. uh, that people of that generation have of younger kids. And when they think of them, they're... Confusing, they're probably corrupted, or they're, they're victims somehow of larger evils, like whether they're political or social or drug or whatever. And so, pretty much every child or every young person we've seen introduced in the return is, is screwed up or doomed somehow. So even like somebody, or at like least
1: adjacent to something that's that's you know not fantastic. Yeah, they're not doing
0: well. Yeah. And how are
1: you connecting that to Laura? Well, Does I think Laura.
0: Lara, for, for well, okay, so I think the situation in Twin Peaks we've got with all these like traumatized kids mm. and and people on drugs is almost being balanced by the news that Bobby has, and everyone has to go to the Jackrabbits, which is like this place of pure childhood innocence and, you know, healthy bonding with a parental figure and stuff like that. Mm. And I feel that's the sort of thing that Laura began with. So this is the sort of the sort of goodness that she represents yeah. is going to be found here. So I think that she can come back and represent all this sort of stuff to us.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, th- there's an interesting thing that a friend of the show, Emily L. Stevens, wrote in her most recent uh, AV Club recap. See, I told you, Emily, I mention you, like, literally every, every episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> she said something really interesting about Laura where... The representation of Laura as goodness, but Laura does not necessarily represent innocence lost. No. She, Laura, once lost you yeah, can't get because back. what is yeah. lost, you can't get back, and knowledge that you gain, you then can't lose. And what Laura actually more coherently represents his mercy.
0: Yes, good call. Yeah, yeah exactly, because yeah. that's the state that she was in. And this is what I find interesting about Richard Horn is everyone's assuming he was born bad mm. as a product of a bad person, but yeah. how much of that is environment? How much is no. How much No. And
1: I think Twin Peaks has always been very careful about showing the fact that no one is ever... Or extremely rarely is ever wholly good or wholly evil. Like even characters that we're introduced to who seem utterly reprehensible nearly always have at some point in their stories a moment where you recognise that, oh no, they're human, they're a person. Of course they have good aspects to their characters as well and people aren't just one thing. They're not just one half of, half of a duality sort of thing. You know, Mm. characters like Bobby, characters like Leo, even characters like... Even Wyndham Earl ends up in flashback being shown as, like, a regular person who just ends up getting corrupted by various forces. So it is really easy to contextualise a story as a story of good and bad, but I think... And I
0: think in the nature of this, evil has to be created. Yeah, it has, it has to be created. To be like created. the woodsmen are p- are products of evil. Yeah, yeah. and Bob. things
1: have been created and things created from humanity and that humanity itself is this big, messy, mass of contradictions and yeah. people are simultaneously good and bad. Mm. And I don't think if, you know, in my theory of uh, Cooper
2: dying to restore peace and, you know, goodwill and harmony, mm. I don't think that that necessarily is going to, you know... Im- get rid of evil from the world but i think about it more in relation to his relationship with laura
0: yeah mm. yeah it comes back to her yeah mm. cool well thank you very much for listening to the end of tp season 3 Oh, actually like last week we said that we were the only australian podcast and i made the crazy statement that we were possibly the only one in the southern hemisphere but since Lose. it's been pointed out to us <laughs> there's one called peaked at twin peaks fan cast and you can find them at smzv.com slash peaked twin peaks fancast. Next week, we enter into the final third of the series. And uh, things are probably going to step up because next week's episode is called Let's Rock.
1: Oh, Oh my God. Although I did say this
0: last time, next week is going to be the one they're showing at Comic-Con. It's going to be huge. We'll get Audrey.
1: (laughs) No, next week is just all set at the Roadhouse and it's just all of David Lynch's favourite bands playing one after the (laughs) other. It's It's not that kind of rocking.
0: (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You can find me on the social medias at Andy Ricky. Joey, do you? If you can want. find
1: me at the very exciting Twitter handle of at Joanna Good. Yeah. And <laughs> you can find us, the podcast, collectively at TP Season 3 on both Twitter and Facebook. Drop us a line, say hello. Andy will reply. He's Andy, really good at that. I
0: love doing <laughs> that. <Yeah. laughs> Bye.
2: Bye.
1: men in a room.